Let's just pray together. Gracious Lord, we just ask that you be with us now, that you guide us in all our understandings, that your, your holy word found in the Bible may drill deep into us today, that we may understand it, that we may grow with it, that our lives may be changed because of it. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be upon us today, guiding us and leading us in all our understandings. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Now, we've been running in our series of I Am Not Ashamed, and this week we come to our section in our series, which is all about responsibility. Over the last couple of weeks, and I'm just going to recap just some of the topics that we have covered as we have been looking at Romans, the book of Romans. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we, we focused upon law and grace, and then we had a look at how God's plan doesn't change even if we don't believe what's happening. God's plan is still eternal and will carry us through. Last week, Caleb brought us a message about the good life and living the good life. And this week, my responsibility, see that little pond there, uh, is to talk about responsibility. What does it mean for Christians to be responsible citizens? It's actually a really big topic, isn't it? To be responsible citizens within our community, within the world, within our church, within our very lives and family. Now, now more than ever, we as a church and as Christians need to ask ourselves this question. How am I to be responsible? How am I to be responsible in this world? How am I to be a citizen, somebody who is a part of this community, part of this nation? And how am I meant to be responsible in this? Now, this week... If you've been keeping up with what's been going on in political circles, you will actually know that there was a report that was to the government, wasn't by the government, to the government, um, about religious freedom. And it got leaked this week. It had been done many months ago. But it got leaked this, this week about what is in that report. And there's a whole range of, of, of different uh, things about religious freedoms and what we should as churches be doing or what we shouldn't be doing and, and all of those things and what things we should be allowed to do or not. And it's actually caused a whole range of churches to clarify their position on discrimination and religious freedom. And I just want to read you one little section, one little quote um, from the Uniting Church, believe it or not. Our church's position is that every person is equal before the law and before God. Isn't that a great statement? We're all equal before the Lord, before the law and before God. Now, without going too much into the report and what it means for us, I wanted to think, what does it mean for our church to be welcoming? But what does it also mean for our church to maintain integrity and truth in what we believe? They are incredibly big and powerful and important questions for us. So all of these things bring us to this point. Bring us to the important point that we live in our world, but how do we relate to it? See, the Apostle Paul in Romans, and when we get into Romans chapter 13, and Merla read that for us before, and it's, it's, uh, it is difficult reading off the screen. You've got to, it's, a, it's a new art form that you've got to get used to, the words up on the screen and talking that way. 
But well done, Miller, and thank you. But the Apostle Paul in Romans gives us some important advice about our responsibilities in our world. But before we go too far into this, before I want to delve into this, I actually, we actually need to know what Romans 12 says. And I'm going to recap some of that. So Caleb has been doing some work on that last week. But what we want to do, and I'm going to give you a really short version of these things. So I'm going to put up some bullet points on the screen for us. But this is a recap of of what happened in chapter 12 so that we can understand what happens in chapter 13. And here they are. The short version, the cliff notes of these things. Give your body to God as a holy and living sacrifice. In other words, you know, this is the important part for us. We're to give ourselves, all of ourselves, as a living sacrifice to God and for his purposes. And I love this one. Don't think that you are better than you are. So keep yourself within check. Often we want to go, we are better than who we are, we're, we're more important, and everybody owes us something. And when we start to think about responsibility and authority, that's a big key one, isn't it? Don't think that you are better than who you really are. I love the next one. Don't pretend to love, but actually really love those around you. Bless those that persecute you. Never take revenge. And don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That statement sums us up and gets us, sets us in the right place for what it means to be responsible within our world, what it means to be a responsible citizen within our community. So whenever we're talking about responsibility, we need to keep in mind these things on the screen. So the first thing you'll note when you jump into Romans 13 is that everyone must submit to the governing authorities. That's a really big statement. For those of you that like being rebels and don't like obeying the law of the land and all these things, that's a big statement, isn't it? Let me give you the scripture reading up on the screen again. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. And that's not just the land. That's within church, within you know, society, all the things that we have within governing authorities. For all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against who? Is rebelling against God because against what God has instituted and they will be punished. Now that's a pretty big thing, isn't it? How does our government... How does our Australian government sit within all of this? Now, some of you might want to just right at this moment go, oh, they are not governed by God. And you may be right. Many people don't believe who are in government in believing God. But let, I, I want to actually just take you. It was really interesting because I, I, I wanted to have a quick look. And so I looked up a few things about the Australian constitution and Australian government. And we're a constitutional monarchy and we have... You know, the Queen is the head of Australia in constitutional monarchy and her representative is... Who's the representative at the moment? Anybody got a good guess? Governor-General and Peter Cosgrove. And you know what? I had a look. He actually needs to, when he takes the office of Governor-General, have an oath of allegiance. And let me read his oath of allegiance to you because it's actually really interesting. So it's I, Peter 
Cosgrove. Um, do swear that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, her heirs and successors, according to law. And then this statement. So help me God. And you know which statement was in bold capital letters on this oath? So help me God. Even within our secular society and the way we do things, God is the one who has authority and control over all things. And even in that oath of allegiance, that is made manifest. We're all placed with authority, and especially within the church, authority that is given and decreed by God. But what does it mean for us to actually submit to authority? What does it actually mean that we are to submit to authorities and be accountable to them? That's actually a really big thing, isn't it? Because it actually says that we are not the most important point here. We are not the ones who control all of our destinies. If we live without any law, without any authority in our land, do we? What happens? Let's just give a quick example. You know, and I love driving examples because I've got kids that we are teaching and you know, driving around and stuff, kind of that stuff. But you know, if we if we all choose to do our own thing as we drive down the road, so some of us decided that we'll drive on the left-hand side, and others decide they want to drive on the right. What happens? There's a lot of swerving, a lot of chaos, you know, a lot of car accidents. If we decide that a red light means that we just go through it whenever we like, and a green light is when we stop, but everybody else decides they want to do it, because you don't really want to submit to authority, which is the law of the land and the, the, the rules and the statutes that are there, and the people that are meant to enforce it, then what happens? Chaos ensues, doesn't it? So actually submitting to authority provides good you know, society, as long as those laws are founded in God. And that's the important thing, isn't it? As long as those laws are founded in God. You know, as a citizen, we uphold the law of the land. Uh, we do not think that we are better than we truly are. And, you know, we're, we're, and I think this, you can see this kind of in celebrity status, can't you, at times? when celebrities want to get away with doing whatever they like, even though that they may um, be breaching the law of the land. I, I remember a case not so long ago about dogs being flown into Australia and they were trying to get away with, you know, um, just circumventing, except the law of the land said, no, this needs to be made right. We're not better than we truly are. We don't think we need special treatment. To submit ourselves is to put ourselves under the authority of those in the ruling powers. But what happens if the government is bad? That's a big question, isn't it? When we submit ourselves to the ruling authority, what happens if the government is bad? See, Paul is actually writing this statement under a new edict, under a new ruling that actually made Christianity illegal. So he's writing to the Romans here in a time 
when Christianity was outlawed and punishable by death. And yet, what is he saying? Submit to the authorities. Even in this case, Paul is urging us, the Christians, to submit to the authorities because citizenship, being a part of the community and, and what that mean, meant to Paul was incredibly, a, was a really big deal for him. And then he goes on to say this, and I, you know, authority does not strike fear in people who are doing the right thing, does it? Authority doesn't strike fear into those people who are doing the right thing. Where do we hear this? From Romans 13 verse 3, and it says, For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing the right thing, doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honour you. This is really important, isn't it? If you do the right thing, if you follow the rules, then you won't be in trouble. And you've got nothing to fear. That's submitting to the authorities, isn't it? That's doing the right thing. But if you break those, what happens? There is punishment. You know, if we, we, and, and Paul talks about this more in, in Romans 13. If you do the wrong thing, there will be punishment. It's the problem is, we often think that we can kind of slide our ways carefully around laws and find loopholes to try and make it so that we can better ourselves or further ourselves or excuse our behaviour. Paul wants us to act in a way that will uphold the name and the nature of what it means to be a Christian without compromise, without saying that we are subverting authorities to do the wrong thing, but to build it up and grow and make the name of Christ great throughout all the world. And then Paul goes on. So we've got three points so far. And it's a good sermon. We're up to three points already. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. Authority does not strike fear into the people who do right. And the third one, Submit to the authorities to keep a clear conscience. So what does this mean for us? And here I'm going to actually break it up into a whole bigger bit for us so that we can carry on with this. You know, there are a few things, you know, some of the things that we can actually do for those people in power and in authority. So that we can have a clear conscience. And Paul says this in verse 5. He says, so you must submit to them, that is in authority, not only to avoid punishment, but that you also may keep a clear conscience so you know within your heart that you have done the right thing, that you can stand before God and know that you've done the right thing. But what should we do to uphold the authorities? What should we do to, to allow us to submit to them? What should we do to, to bring about good community around us? And this is really what it is. It's bringing good community for us. We should do this. We should actually... Really importantly, we should pray for our authorities. We should pray for them. You know, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. That's for all people. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. Pray that they may know God's will in their life and they may carry it out in their duties. 
so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. We should be praying for our leaders. We should be praying for those people in power. It's an important part of what it means to respect authority is to pray for them. Next, we should live in obedience. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, let's jump into 1 Peter 2, verses 13 to 17. So we're going to use scripture to help us understand this. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honour those who do right. It is God's will that your honourable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So do not use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. We are free in Christ, but don't break the law to do the wrong things. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Pretty powerful and big stuff, isn't it? We should be in obedience to those. So this is just not Paul talking in Romans. This is bigger things. This is more more pieces of scripture that help us understand that. Uh, we, We owe obedience but we do not owe blind obedience. And this is where it comes down to it, isn't it? We owe obedience, but we do not owe blind obedience. See, Paul uses his citizenship to actually object to injustices. So if we read through Acts 16, um, verses 35 to 39, I won't put it up on the screen for you, or 22... Chapter 22, verses 24 to 29, you'll actually see Paul going... You know, there's an injustice here with what the, Roman, what the Jewish authorities are doing and I want to appeal my case because of my citizenship to Rome. And the apostles understood uh, Christians sometimes actually should disobey the civil authorities when their mandate contradicts the laws of God. So let's have a look at that. Acts 5... Verse 29, but Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. So when human authority starts to move away from God's mandates, it's actually important for us to challenge that and bring it back into right standing. And importantly, we're to participate in and influence the government. This is actually a really big thing, isn't it? So many people say, you know, church and state should be separated. And how many people have, you know, you might be talking about politics or whatever and say, well, the church should never tell the politicians what to do. Originally when that came in, and this is the interesting thing, they've got it backwards. Originally when church and state were separated, it was to protect the church from the state. So in other words, to protect the church from the state saying, you can only do this, you're only allowed to preach about this, you're only allowed to do this, it was to protect the church. And the church's role was to always be a point of saying to the state, to the laws of the land, to the government, you are not doing the right thing. To reflect back to them, not to get into the, to the actual running of it, that you know, they're not meant to be in there, together, but they're meant to be separate and can talk to one another and 
be a sounding board at a point where they actually need to change and be cognizant, I don't want to use that word, but being cognizant, understanding one another and the point of why they do it. But I want to give you a quote from a, from a scholar, from John Stott. What then is the biblical basis for social concern? So in other words, what the church wants to do within the world. Why should Christians get involved in this? In the end, there are only two possible attitudes which Christians can adopt towards the world. Escape or encouragement. Escape means turning our backs on the world in rejection, washing our hands of it and stealing our hearts against its agonised cries for help. In contrast, encouragement means turning our faces toward the world in compassion, getting our hands dirty and sore and worn out in service and feeling deep within us the stirring of the love uh, which cannot be contained. See, if we truly love our neighbour and because of their worth desire to serve them, we shall be concerned for their total welfare and well-being of their soul, their body and their community. And our concern will lead to practical programs. That was written by John Stott in an issue of facing issues facing Christianity, Christians today. And it's important for us to actually understand that we need to be engaged. We can't wash our hands of the world around us. We can't stop being involved in what governments are saying. We can't stop and just let it all go because we have a responsibility. We actually, as we start to understand God's laws and God's great love for us, let's move away from law for a moment. Let's talk about the love of God for, for each and every one of us, for the whole world. And when we understand that, we really want to get involved with the world. We really want to get involved with what's going on. Not just to be wishy-washy and reflect back to people what they already like and just go, that's okay, but to actually stand up and say, this is the truth of the matter. This is important. Now, I've moved beyond three points in my sermon, haven't I, already? And I'm going to my fourth major point, so you forgive me on that. Give to everyone what they owe. And you see, this is what Paul finishes that little section that we're looking at in, in, in Romans 13. Give to everyone what we owe. Give to everyone what, what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honour to those who are in authority. See, this is what Paul is saying. We should not be owing to other people. We should not rack up debt in that way except debt that is love. To love one another and to you know, give peace around us. We shouldn't be withholding back we should be good citizens, responsible citizens within our community and in our world. And that even comes within to our church as well. Sometimes, you know, I know I, our church would never do this, but I've heard other churches that, you know, if it's a bad sermon, uh, a bad preacher, and, and you have the, you know, and some people advocate putting the offering before the preacher, 
because some people go, oh, it was a bad one, I didn't like it today, they offended me, I'm going to withhold my offering and my giving. That should never be the case. We should give freely and we should give openly. I'm just joking here. Nobody would ever do that. We must preach so really well so we have good offerings. But that aside, it's the attitude that I want to talk about. You know, if we don't like something and it's a mandate, it's an offering, it's a giving, it's a tithe, giving to God, or it's a government tax and we go, we don't like it, and we go, we don't want to give it, we don't want to do this, what way can we get out of it? Then it doesn't help our community and our world, it doesn't help our social interaction, does it? We should, and you know, it's not only in, in Romans, but let's just go into the Gospels, let's just jump into Mark 12, verse 17 for a moment. Well, then Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply completely amazed them. That's an important thing, isn't it? He was being challenged about taxes and giving and, and, and whether they should be involved with the, what is happening in the law, in the, you know, the occupying, and this is the thing, the occupying government at that time in Jerusalem. And he said, give to Caesar what is to Caesar and that you know, good society will happen from there. And that's what we need to do for ourselves. We need to be willing to offer those things, to live within the world, we live within our statutes, to be good citizens of our world because we have a responsibility and and that responsibility is placed upon us by God to live according to the laws of the land but to live above those things according to the laws of God and the will of God in our lives. See, everybody, every person, Alive is under some type of authority and they will be until the day they die, won't they? We are all under some kind of authority, one way or another. And authority is a God-given thing. As much as we want to say it's something that we've created, it's a God-given thing. And by honouring authority, we actually honour God in this process. By dishonouring authority, we actually dishonour God. We, we're actually going against what the Bible is saying, the way we should behave. Authority is simply about influence and responsibility. Those in authority need to use good influence and good responsibility. Authority is meant to work to the advantage, never to the oppression. And this is where we need to be careful because people go, I don't like authority because it's oppressive, and that is not authority anymore. That is oppression, and that is different, and we should always rally against oppression. God uses authority to establish order, not chaos. And authority comes out of God's order, not necessarily out of our own sentimentality, out of our own seniority or rank or anything. God uses those is destined to give authority to us. So let's just pray, because this is a challenging one for us. How do we live in the world? How do we live in the world when sometimes we don't agree with what the world's doing? How do we live in the world when our government seems to do certain things and we don't think it fits with God's law? How are we meant to find those fine lines between doing the right thing, submitting to authority, and upholding God's standard? We search it out in prayer. We search it out in community together as a church and we stand up for what is right. So let's just pray.
a gracious, loving God. Today, more than ever, we ask that you guide us in all our things that we do, in the way that we live within our community, in the way that we interact with one another, in our interactions with those in power over us. Lord, help us to stand up and challenge when power is being used inappropriately. Lord, help us to submit to the God-given authority that has been placed upon individuals and within the world. But Lord, let us never be blind. Let us never just follow aimlessly on what seems like a good idea. Let us always search through scripture, search in prayer, search in understanding that we may follow your ways more truly, more fully, more openly. Because we owe nothing to anyone except the obligation to love, love one another. Because we love you, we will love our neighbour. And that way we will fulfil your law. Amen.